Hi, welcome to Embrace the Madness. This is Madeline. If this is your first time joining, welcome. This is a podcast where we just talk about human stuff and figure out how we can work together to create a brighter future and make this life easier and less stressful and, you know, the spiel. And if you're returning, welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking around and listening to what I have to share and all those things. So right now I'm in Arkansas. We came with Davis to spend time with some of his family. So it's been a really nice relaxing weekend in the Ozarks. And yeah, just here we are uploading our episode. I'm really excited for you to listen to this one. I got to talk to my friend Dennis, who I met through Davis actually, but Um, Him and his fiance are super cool, super awesome, and he got his master's in social work, and I just wanted to hear from his perspective because he is very big into manifesting abundance, and when I started learning about it and reading about it and really becoming interested in it, I was like, oh, well, I don't really know who to talk to, like, you know, my circle, and it's hard because a lot of people think it's silly, and Dennis is one of those people who seems really, really, really grounded, but also very much into his spiritual side of things. And so he's just got a really cool, really cool perspective. And I'm super excited that he joined and that you get to listen to this stellar episode. We talk about intentions, meditation. He went to Kentucky. He kind of shares his upbringing. And yeah, I'm going to let him do the talking. But Before I get into that, I just wanted to remind you that the Patreon's open, and so if you go to Patreon slash Embrace the Madness, then you'll find some extra episodes. I've also got some meditations, really cool postcard for this month, and yeah, so just follow the link, and you'll see what we have. So I'm going to go ahead and get you ready for Dennis. Hey, what a uh, opening. I, I'm, I'm flattered to hear all that. Uh, you know, I, uh, I just feel like I'm a conduit vessel, you know, like a lot of things that have happened over my life. You know, it's just been such a, uh, a good wave of positivity that, uh, you know, I just want to be able to continue to extend to everyone and everything. That's so noble. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I come from such like humble beginnings, you know, like there was, you know, like the single parent household. My dad was in the Navy and just like had another family. So it was like my mom and my sister and we were just poor as fuck, like no money. And there like were, your parents were still together. Nah, they, they, got, they got divorced when I was two. So, OK, like it was just me, my mom, and my sister, my so whole life. A baby. Yeah. I never really got to like know my father. Uh so, like, my mom had to be both of them, and she just figured some shit out, man. <laughs> you know? Like, when you think about, like, that uh, time of being uh, in your early 20s with two kids in the 80s, like, I know how it feels to live now, but, like, I couldn't imagine living in the 80s where, like, racism was, like, even more prevalent, and there was, like, Ooh, no escaping yeah. that shit. You know? And you just out there, like, by yourself, just grinding. Especially as a single mom. Yeah. And I feel like that would have been all the time where kind of the whole, like, propaganda against, like, people on welfare and just, like, creating that whole stigma around all that. Yo, Reaganomics was real. Like, yeah. she lived through all that shit. Yeah. Like, the crack epidemics and all the rest of that sort of shit. Like, 
you you're a single parent like no money like how how do you like not succumb into that sort of space like because a lot of those people that do come to that space are in those same type of conditions you know yeah okay so you were growing up with your mom did you have siblings yeah i have one sister uh what's y'all's age difference two years so younger or older she is oh wait you're the baby aren't you no nah, i'm the oldest oh you're the oldest yeah okay. i'm the oldest <laughs> You're the baby, aren't you? Okay, <laughs> I'm the oldest too. Okay, so then, what, what, where, where, where did you go from there? Where were you living? Uh, so I was born in California, and uh, I lived there until I was six. Um, I remember going to school out there. Uh, it was one of the cooler opportunities to like go and walk outside from class to class. And then uh, my grandmother got sick when I was six, and. Uh, she had nine kids, and only one of her uh, children came to help her after she had a stroke, and it was us. So we moved from Long Beach, California, to Gary, Indiana when I was uh, six years old. Holy shit, what a move. Yo, <laughs> it was the murder capital of the United States. Gary was? Yeah. But you know what's crazy about that is being a kid there, I never experienced any of that at all. And that's ironic because, like, on the news, like they the would murder tell you, and violence. Yeah, or? like, like never. Like, we lived on, I guess, a decent side of town. Like, I walked to school, like, probably like a mile and a half, maybe two miles, and you never worried about like pedophiles or any of that sort of stuff like that. You know, one I, I don't think you're that much older than me. What year would that have been? Like uh, the nineties? Yeah. So I graduated in two thousand three. So when I think about like, okay, so we're eight years. Uh, when I think about being in elementary school i was it was in the from like 92 to like 96 i was in elementary school because i went to uh, middle school in 96 okay yeah that's so weird to think of like a time where you could just like leave your doors unlocked or right. leave your bike outside right or right and now we live in these times where like everybody's afraid of everyone all the time yeah you know totally I mean? it's wild okay so you we're in Indiana, and then did uh, you go to Kentucky for college, or you were just so from there? So we moved from Indiana to uh, Kentucky when I was 10. Uh, my, I had an uncle that lived in uh, Kentucky, and my mom was just, like, uh, needed a break from taking care of my grandmother. They, they The family decided that they were going to just, like, pull resources together to get her, like, a live-in sitter so that, yeah. like, somebody didn't have to be there. Because she had lost a lot of her cognitiveness uh, with her. Uh, she had two back-to-back strokes. So she would kind of revert back into being a child at times. And it was really difficult for my mom to see that, you know? Uh, so she wants we, – we had to get out of there. And I moved to Kentucky. Uh, and my, my uncle, Alonzo, he got my mom a job. And uh, we started living there. But, you know, all throughout all of that, we were all still, like, pretty poor. I mean, we moved from apartment to uh, this kind of real small three-bedroom house just infested with bugs. You know? Ooh, yuck. Yeah, like roaches yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, my whole life, that was just, like, a, a piece of, like, my growing-up childhood is just seeing that. And Do you it, feel like you're desensitized to bugs now? No. Nah, like or even, it, like, triggered more? Well, I, I, I think that, like... It, it, it does kind of create like a post-traumatic stress sort of symptom Response, of yeah. like, like just getting rid of them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think that's with bugs now, like I, they're just dead. Like I don't care, you know? And I think that that's something. Paul is like, give me the cord. <laughs> they just got the sweetest little kitten and he's just baby's first podcast. 
<laughs> Core time. What were we talking about? The bugs. Okay, yeah. You're so like, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no. remind me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was that was it, man. Like we we lived in Kentucky. I, I feel like when you think about like where you're from, I'd like to place it in a like an understanding of like your formative years, right? So I would say any sort of time frame between like ten and like seventeen, you really develop like who you are. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, while I can say that I was born in California and I spent some time in Indiana, my formative years would have me, like, in the sort of understanding of what it's like to be a Kentucky man. Well, that would explain your Kentucky slides. Yo, like, straight up. I am Kentucky (laughs) through and through. Like, I bleed blue. And and that was before Calipari did Memphis Dirty. I know. We had a conversation about that last time. Yo. (laughs) <laughs> He's like, it's not personal. It's not. I've, I've been a Kentucky <laughs> fan since I was ten years old, man. Watching them on television, so it's 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 a part of culture, and I think that that place was a place that I was able to develop culture, and I'm really proud of it. Were you like in what city were you in? So I grew up in Frankfort, Kentucky. I have no idea what that is. That like big city, urban? Nah. No, so small. We had like twenty thousand people. It's it's one. I think it's one of the third smallest capitals in the united states nice. uh we had twenty thousand people there was like 150 kids in my like high school you know uh graduating class of like like 60 i don't know like everybody knew everybody yeah and it was one of those places that you could just stay trapped forever and uh i was awarded a academic scholarship to kentucky uh i guess they think that black kids are dumb in, in Kentucky, you know, I, I I scored pretty decent. And this was the, 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 the shitty part about it is that, like, I had friends that scored way better than me. But because of affirmative action, they had to give me the opportunity to go to school, you know. So I felt like. Oh, it was, like, only one scholarship or something? No, nah, they just gave it to a bunch of black kids. Because, obviously, like, you want to try to, like, add culture to a college by adding different, you know, cultures of people you know like if you just see white people at that like how are you cultured to live in the world you know i mean that kind of sounds like they were ahead of their time <laughs> that's the only way they fix <laughs> they were it though. like trying to promote diversity yeah but i mean yeah i had, I had, a, I had a full ride to kentucky and uh that was a a real big uh shift in my life uh to like come from like a super small town to like one of the big cities of kentucky and seeing that there's like so much more stuff that you yeah. can go do and be a part of so that was beautiful. I, I uh, studied in my undergraduate there at Kentucky to be a broadcast journalist. So uh, you did like communications? Yeah. Fuck so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like at the time, it was the number two school in the nation uh, for um, broadcast journalism. So it was Damn. super competitive. And I only applied for one school. And fortunately, Kentucky was like, yo, you can come here. So hell that was, yeah. That was, that was good times, man. From there, I moved to. Uh, to Florida, I was 20 years old. I had uh, lost my scholarship. I was uh, going to way more parties and uh, doing way more things I shouldn't have done. Wait, so you transferred to Florida? Nah, I oh. just like lost my scholarship because I was just not like taking it seriously. I wanted to have this experience in to Kentucky, go. though. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. I wanted to have this experience to go and party and not go learn. So mm-hmm. I lost my scholarship, and uh, yeah, I moved. I moved to Frankfurt, or no, no sorry, uh, I moved to Destin, Florida when I, in 2005, and at the time before that, like, I had worked at, like, Chase Bank. I was a bank teller, and I had waited restaurants, you know, around Lexington, one of the more fine diner places, so I I felt pretty comfortable with 
going to uh, you know talk to people at banks, but no banks will hire me in Destiny. Like I because of your experience, no, yeah, I, or I have lack no of. Well, no, like, or, oh, I I, I oh. had worked for a bank for like a year and a half. Like I would already be good as being a teller, but like I applied at like eight different banks, and none of them like Damn. gave me like even like a first interview. So I was like, you know, what do I do here? Uh-huh. My mom suggested that I. Um, sign up for one of those uh cell phone places because i liked uh cell phones so <laughs> i was <laughs> no this is a true story yeah, yeah, yeah. uh so i applied to this place called altair wireless uh in 2005 this was the birth of the smartphone this was when people like decided that like they really 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 loved the motorola razor and there was no way you were talking them out of that phone totally i remember <laughs> that <laughs> like nah bro i'm here for a razor only but i had to like help you understand the pink one yeah <laughs> yo facts and i remember when that like when singular had it out there and like people were oh like my changing God, carriers yeah before Pe- at&t <laughs> right yes i forgot about that yeah like they would like leave like all tail to go get a pink razor and i'm like what and we so we had to learn all of the it was then i knew americans priorities were <laughs> fucked uh but we <laughs> We had uh, to learn all of the the, uh, the smartphones to sell. Like so, I learned how to do the Palm Treo, uh, the Blackberries, and the Windows Pocket PCs. And I had to know how to use them like the back of my hand, so that I could sell them to you. Like now, we think about 2020 and how everyone's just like super saturated in the phones. Like 15 years ago, a smartphone like wasn't like a, a like a smart thought. Like people are like, get that shit out of my face. I just want a razor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for real. and that was 15 years ago that's crazy yeah. it's like literally like exponential growth yeah but i, f- I found like a, a bit of like a personality with being a salesperson because it was it was my business to know how to do this at an exceptional level and i learned that i had this ability to connect with people in a way that other people like weren't as successful with i remember when i was 21 years old uh, they had it broken up into regions of like salespeople, and uh, in the South, it was Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, and Kentucky. And we had twenty one thousand reps. I was number three out of twenty one thousand. Oh shit! Yeah. Hell yeah! Congrats! Yeah. So like, I I knew that like I had like a calling for sales. And I remember there was this like really weird time when I was like 22, 23 and I met this preacher. It was like a really like eerie uh, sort of thing. I'll never forget it. He was like, you're not doing what you've been called here to do. Oh, fuck. And, right. I'm not, <laughs> at that point, like I, I'm, I would, I to this day, am not a very religious person. You know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can understand people having their like space of accepting for religion, what it is. Like that's your emotional solace. I get that. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I'm just been like, nah, bro, that's just not for me. And I've known that since I was a kid, but you know, like there was a shift where this preacher was like, you're, you're using this ability for the wrong ability you're here to help people in a different way and you didn't even know this guy nah holy just like preaching at me yeah like and it 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 was some it was some sort of surreal feeling where like you felt as though like there was a universal intervention to where like i knew i had to get out of this because the only the only thing that i was focused on when i was at that age was working as many hours as possible and convincing you that you need to buy something for me right now you know it got to a point of it like not even registering that you would say no 
I would just have to think of something else to say so that you would say yes, you know? And I think that like, there's that, that place of like learning that skill of being a salesman that really kind of like, just like dehumanizes the experience. Like you're just selling something for someone else, you know? So, uh, when that preacher came in and like, you know, had that sort of segue of intervention, I knew that the only way that I was going to like really make some like important change is like going back to school. And I'll you be knew immediately it, it was school. Well, no, I wasn't like because immediately, you had but, like, studied communication. So yeah. you have to explain where the social work comes in. OK, or cool. I'm I'll there. let you. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. There. I'm getting there. <laughs> so like I, I knew I had to go back to school. And uh, I was like, you know, this just it doesn't serve me anymore. I, I don't want to do this. And so I talked to a Navy recruiter and oh yeah that part yeah <laughs> they they uh let me come in i was 25 at the time they let me come in and take the asvab and i remember in high school like uh when i when they had awarded me the scholarship in kentucky i had also taken my asvab and they were offering me like all this like super like computer nuclear type shit when you're like 18 and like not really you know you're like you're the clean innocent sort of side like yeah. i could have been doing some super ass shit in the navy then but because I had been removed from school for so long, I still scored really well, but that didn't get those same type of jobs. Mm -hmm. But um, they just, they said, if you do this job, you know, you'll, you'll have a full ride to go to school and we'll pay you to go to school. The GI Bill, post 9-11 GI Bill is an amazing thing. I'll tell anybody that's interested about it. Is about that like insurance too? Or so, is that separate? All right, GI so school? You, you get to go and choose any school you want to go to and they pay for all your books. Uh, they, get, they pay for all of your tuition. And they pay for a basic allowance for housing uh, for the entire time you're in school. So in Pensacola, they were giving me $1,300 a month just to be a student. Yeah. And you get all those, like, um, grants being a veteran or any person that, like, lives at, like, a particular sort of rate. So I was making, like, two $2,500 a month doing nothing, being a student. Yeah. Going and focusing what, to what I wanted to do. And so... When I was active duty, I um, I uh, got my associate's degree because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and that's a really good way of, like, kids that, like, don't really know what they want to do in college uh, to go and uh, get just a associate's in, like, a liberal arts because they make you take a bunch of different types of classes to figure out what you want to be a part of. And I remember taking, like, a 200-level psychology course and was like, this is awesome. Like I, that's what I, happened to me too. Right. Yo, this is for me. Like I need this. And, uh, I had straight A's through my associate's degree that the Navy paid for. And then, um, I went on my like two back to back deployments. So I, uh, am a Navy combat veteran. I served on the, uh, United States, uh, USS Carl Vinson and the, uh, USS Theodore Roosevelt. I, uh, have been underway, uh, out to sea for more than a year of my life on water. Uh, got to travel to um, Singapore, India, Bahrain, Dubai, Croatia, London. Uh, Damn, all, you've seen it all. Yeah, all the Navy's done. It was all free. But you had to work your ass off, though. Right. I mean, nothing's really free if you're in the Navy. Like, it's a machine. You're, like, you're just going to do it. Right, you're selling your soul or... Well, I mean, for Your me, time. for for me, it was just like a matter of time. Like I just, that's how I looked at it. You know, I was never gonna be like some a matter of time. What? To, like, before I got my freedom back, like going and doing gotcha. like a, 
you got to just do your four years and then get out. And then you have the world to go back into. Like, as long as you stay consistent with your goal, like, I never let it just decide that I was just going to be a fully Navy dude, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, I had a, a, a reason why I was there. I knew the Navy was going to use me to its full extent. And at the end of it, I could use them to the fullest extent. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what kind of drove me. Like, every day I just knew, like, I'm closer and closer to the goals that I want to get. And then... I got out of active Had duty. Have you been that driven about your goals your whole life? I mean, I guess thinking, I guess if you're the old oldest child of, you know, growing up with a single mom, like you have to kind of take some responsibility and find that. That's just interesting. I was just like, have you always been like goal driven? Yeah. Like I love challenges. I remember like growing up as a kid, my mom, she always gave us like puzzles, you know? And she would time us on how fast we would do, like, jigsaw puzzles. That's so badass. And I, I really think that that <laughs> helps, like, with your cognitive development. And I'm really interested, you know, if I'm blessed with children, to, like, see how that works for them cognitively. Because uh, we would do, like, the jigsaw puzzles, like, uh, on the on the brown side. So you couldn't see it. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, ex- extra level. Yeah, well, no. Like, we started, obviously, on, like, the regular side. But I remember, like, she gave us our first jigsaw puzzles uh, when I was probably like four or five years old, and I remember my sister, she would, she was three, and she could do them too, but she had like the smaller ones. <laughs> but I would so do cute. like 30, 40, 50 piece ones, like when I was like four or five years old, you know, face down. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, show me a puzzle, I got it. Yo, it was fun, like, but like when you bring that sort of challenge to a kid, and it's fun, cause she would do it. She like loved to color. She loved to do puzzles, and she, we would just want to do. Your what mom wanted to do, yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cute. Yeah, so we were just like sitting on the floor, always doing puzzles and shit. Sure. Okay. And so yes, you've always been driven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Give I me just, the solution. I'll gross. find it. So like, school has never been a, like a piece that was like really hard for me. You know, I, I always try to look at it as like the challenge. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's what's been really driving me. I think this whole time is that like you know I've got to figure this out. I've got to be able to play this game to where, like, you know, like I can, I can find a way to win. Like I'm a, in I'm regards a winner. to the Navy, or just in in life. Period. Yeah, <laughs> I got to win. That's it. That's what that that drives. And w- what winning actually looks like is uh, is relative, you know. Totally. Like, but in in where I feel like my life journey has gone so far. I'm winning hard as fuck. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like I just it's so beautiful to watch. Just just to come from like just the direst of beginnings and like coming to an understanding that like now it, like we are nothing more than just a collective uh collective piece of our thoughts. Like we're some of our thoughts. Like all the things that we've said we wanted to do at this point, we've got there. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Like and once you realize that when you direct your intentions toward what you want to do, there's nothing that's gonna stop you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been wild to learn this and kind of watch it happen in my own life. And like it feels like I'm just like, oh, I just want to tell everybody about this. But it's still so not taboo, but just so people don't talk about abundance and people don't talk about manifesting. And like there's still so much fear and doubt. So I feel like you're one of the only people in my close Memphis circle that's like, yeah, I manifest shit on the daily. But see, I think that that's the miss. Be- I think that's how they keep us so attached to it is that they want you to hate yourself. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, look at how they, like, advertise for women and shit. Like, Put on this eyeshadow to right. make your eyes prettier. Look at this photoshopped, like, uh, chick in this bathing suit. Like, right at, like, all the places that would sell you candy so you feel bad about yourself for eating right. candy. 
Like it's it's such a like weird place. But if you just taught people how to love themselves and that they can do whatever they want to do like all the time, like you you taught kids how to meditate, you you taught kids how to balance themselves and ground themselves. Can you imagine like what those type of skills would change a generation to be? Yeah. And you know what's beautiful? It is happening. There is optimism. Um, there is uh, so with my undergraduate, I have a uh, undergraduate degree in psychology. And my minor was uh, professional education. So, like, I thought, like, because, like, th- things change a whole lot while you're in school or whatever. I thought I was going to be a guidance sure. counselor. So, <laughs> right. Because I want to work with kids. I thought if I could change anything about um, the the world is, like, leaving it better than I found it. So, if you can influence the future with children, like, yep. then you could leave something, like, longer than you. You know, and you, and you got to, like, positively affect something in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. So I thought, you know, maybe if I could be a guidance counselor and just like try to help, because when I say I'm a vessel, like I always feel like I know the right thing to say to everybody. Like I don't think about it; it's just kind of like flows, Mm -hmm. you know. So like if I could like find a way to like be a vessel for somebody that is like at a place of being lost, and they just like, yo, I did that, and now I'm just doing all this shit. Like I think that's what I'm supposed to do, you know? Yeah, just speaking into existence. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I thought I was going to do that. But then I learned what guidance counselors actually did. And I didn't want to do any of that shit. It was not what I thought. So I was like, fuck, what do I do now? And I remember I had a really good friend uh, to this day. This, she's the reason why I have um, a master's in social work. Her name is Ryan Morris. She said, I'll never forget this. We were drinking. <laughs> we were some drinkers. <laughs> uh, she said, Dennis, you're going to do whatever you want to do. And, you know, you decide you want to be a guidance counselor. What happens at year 10 when you're like, you know what? fuck these kids. I can't reach them anymore. Like what now? Are you just going to be a guidance counselor forever and like hate your life? Or would you like to have a, you know, a uh, great opportunity to help people in so many different sort of capacities and, and modalities? I was like, how do I do that? She goes, social work. They're, like social work is so vast. Like so many people would like think that as like social workers just go and take people's kids away. And that's like, that is one of the pieces of social work, but like you can become a therapist. You can do, you can work at like prisons, hospitals, military, like just, you. there's so many different sort of places that you can go and help people and however you want to do it. Uh, I think that's one, been one of the most beautiful things that I've gained from like, like diving into social work is to realize that, yo, like you can help people and realize it and help them realize that the answers are inside of them. Cause that's what I learned through that study. Yes. Yeah. Like finding that meditative space to be silent, to be still. And just know that like the answers just come from you. The, the ancestors are here to like, let you know that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I found that in meditative prayer. Where do you think you had the shift? Because you mentioned you didn't grow up religious and I didn't grow up religious did you go through like a period of like atheism or agnosticism or how was your kind of spiritual journey? Oh uh, man. You know, I, I never, I never like really put together that like God was like some man who was listening to all the people's problems and stuff. Like I, I feel like that was like, just, you just couldn't, you yeah. Couldn't, like it didn't even compute. as like a, a, a small child, I was like, this isn't right. right. Like, I, like, no, this isn't for me. Uh, but I, I knew that there was something about like like the way that people feel around you that like made it more than just me being a like a, a 
like a a body like there's a spirit in here no you can feel people's spirits like you you know people's energy so i always knew that that part of it was real but it's just like kind of delving into more of that understanding that i like started to look into like past civilizations and how connected they were with talking about the universe and energies and like so much more of an understanding of things that when you start to look at like the Egyptian like book of the dead and like how they like perceive souls, it gives you so much more of a purpose of knowing like what you're here for. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many people miss that and like want to bury it into like religion, but like all of formalized religion comes from the book of the dead. Most people don't know that. Like you think about Judaism, like being like Muslim, Christian, all that comes from that understanding of like how we tried to perceive what God was because of the stars in the sky, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, dang, I lost my train of thought. I know, <laughs> I'm, I'm over like, here like, hmm, what do I say next? <laughs> we were talking about, I mean, did you ever go, were you ever, did you ever go through like a period where you were angry at God or it no. had just only ever been? I was angry at religion because like I couldn't right, like really. Right, the organized part. Yeah, like I, I couldn't understand like why they never got taxed and like why <laughs> and why so many people like are homeless and when you couldn't, yeah. like why couldn't they just come to your church? Like yeah. why, what makes them such like nasty people that, that they can't come sleep there? Why do they have to sleep outside? Right, like Jesus taught that right. everybody is equal. And like all of, all of like Orthodox like religion like was just like some sort of like capitalist way of collecting money. Like before there was formalized government, there was a church and they was like burning motherfuckers and shit, calling them witches. I know it's crazy to think like just about all the fear, like talk about where where they learn fear controls people. Like yeah. I just remember we read like sinners at the hand of an angry God or something. And it was like in literature about just this preacher like creating this whole rhetoric on fear and like god's gonna like burn you to hell if you don't like get your shit together but like who who decided that's what's Seriously, gonna happen though that's like some what dude I'm was saying. like no nah, i'm gonna write this book and like everybody's gonna listen to me and if you don't you're gonna your your metaphysical soul is gonna burn in hell forever like that makes no sense to me like, well and i guess people weren't taught to like critically think back in the day like the 1600s yeah but it's crazy like all of this like, understanding of uh, the spirituality was already written. They wrote it on the walls. Like, how come most people don't know what the hieroglyphs say? Why do they keep those secrets from us? Like, yeah. you ever look into, like, ancient, like, Egyptian civilization? Like, they had, there's something special about, like, stones and crystals. Did you know that the first radio transmission was actually broadcast off of a quartz stone? I, I didn't know that, but that sounds familiar, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't think about... That was one of Tesla's ideas. Like, like it he charged a quartz stone and was able to transmit uh, sound from, like, one place to the other off of a quartz stone. Dang, that's crazy just to think you can even do that. So, <laughs> like, crystal. in ancient Egyptian uh, time, they would have these, like, quartz bathhouses as, like, healing modalities. Like, you think about, like, vibrations and energy that kind of come from that. There's something about, like, holding a stone that, like, resonates with your vibration. You could grab a stone and it, like, doesn't do anything for you. Or you could grab a stone and it really, really is, like, you can feel a vibration in your hand, you know? Is that just because you found the right one? Right. Okay. Because it's got to work with your, like, vibration. Like, Ooh. the vibes never lie. For real. And that, that even works with people. Like, if if they if their vibes work with you, 
then like you know that you're going to work with them. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of thing of understanding that the whole world works like that too. That's why it's so important to like ground and be outside and take in the sunlight and like be around that type of like nature energy. And they want us to be so far away from it, it seems, you know? Yeah. And when he says they, he means the people. <laughs> I mean, you look at like what they're telling us to do, man. Like stay yeah. inside, stay six feet away from everybody. The sunlight's not going to help you. Like, like stay indoors. I'm like, Listen we still to us. need vitamin D. Right. Nah, <laughs> but like they, they would have you believe that that's not where you need to be, man. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. That fear. That, yeah. That fear is so, it's such a masterful level, man. I know. It's really, as much as I hate to give it the people credit, like it's actually brilliant. And that's why I think I always get lost because I'm like, damn, did they just create this genius plan like a long time ago and they're just still seeing it through? Like, to me, I'm like, you'd have to go back way far to get us right where you want us. But I guess, I don't know. You think about, like, all the families that, like, own everything, though. True. Like, you got to think about, like, the queen. Like, why the fuck do they put her on the TV? Like, she doesn't matter to me at all. But, like, we know about, like, her sons and, like. Well, because it's, like, a soap opera reality show. But, no, like, colonization. She owns so much of, like, True. her family owns so much of the world. True. Like, you could think that, like, uh. Like, England owned, like, Hong Kong and, like, a bunch of Africa and, like, all kind of shit. Like, just, like, control and dominate everything, you know? And I, I think that, like, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So why would she ever, in that family, ever want to relinquish that power if they knew that they'd always had it? Right. That's why. They don't, they don't, they don't want everyone to lose that control. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, we were just talking about this earlier. Yeah. It's very overwhelming. <laughs> okay, so what are you doing now in your life? Like, where did you? I can't even remember where I think I interrupted you, but like post Navy. So, post Navy, um, I got my undergraduate in psychology, minor in education. Uh, I got my master's degree in social work because I. I wanted to um, jump into the space of being a licensed clinical sp- social worker. And there's still time. There's still time for me. Right now, I'm kind of in a pivot because it's very difficult for a social worker to make money post-grad school. You've got to do at least a 1,000 hours of um, really kind of unpaid work, making like $38,000 a year uh, to make it. Uh, until you can take another like licensure exam to get paid at least like sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year, right? So you you're g- like these numbers are too small. Yo, like I really <laughs> I I I want to live, and I think that there is a piece that's always in that sort of help side, but I also want to live as well. Like right. I love to travel. I am insatiable in that space, but if I were to give myself to like like eating ramen noodles every night I, I can't do the things that I want to do you know like I, I can't have the life I've created for myself mm-hmm. so it's that that space of like really deciding on like which one's better like you know having more money like right now right now I'm fortunate I I, I sell uh mortgages uh refis and uh and home purchases but I feel like there's still a helping piece where like I can help um, 
my military brethren get the best rates that they can for their houses or like give somebody an opportunity that didn't think that they could get a house their own home totally you know? i'm sure that's a special it feeling. is and i think it's really cool to be a part of that right now with in, in, the rates being so low like people can finance houses for like 2.3 to like 2.5 percent and you just think about like <laughs> my manager was talking to me about this today he said that when the housing market collapsed people were buying houses at like eight percent what does that mean? Like the interest rate, like you'd have to pay the, the bank back 8% of the total value of the house to own the house. And now it's at 2%. Okay. Normally it's at like two. Nah. Like or normally it's People lower. are always going to buy houses. They'll buy it at like 10% or 12%. Like people are just going to buy houses. Right. But the best part about it is that like throughout the way you're helping people get it at the best prices mm -hmm. possible. So I feel like that's a, a, a helping piece. And it also allows me an opportunity to make myself a lot of money and like use my brand of like selling myself in a positive way yeah i'm not gonna do it forever mm -hmm. the end goal is to try to like make enough money to like have uh and showcase my art and, and love cooking like i love to cook uh, oh yeah he wants to do a vegan showcase yeah um <laughs> i i believe in the ability to uh use art in so many different modalities you know growing up i um I was always in like choir. I did a lot of plays and musicals and stuff like that growing up. Uh, it, it was just a, a piece of like artistic expression. Um, I, I, did, I sang for the Navy um, on multiple um, uh, different ceremonies with one of my, my best friends in the Navy, Joe Hallman. We did sporting events, um, retirement ceremonies. That was the most beautiful thing. Like your active duty and some dude is about to retire and they're like, Yo, would you, uh, would you, would you sing the national anthem for me? Like, like, how do you say no to that? Like, how, how would you, like, why would you that say no? courage. Yo, but I, I remember uh, being on deployment to get through the monotony of the day. We would just like sing a whole bunch of different like show tuny stuff. Cause like, I remember Joe, he, uh, his dad was the, was the head music professor of Vermont. He came from Vermont, so like, he grew up like classically trained on how to like really perform and do stuff man and it was just great to collaborate with like that piece of art um i like that piece but i also really enjoy the um the ability to create like food with 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 art you know like i could i could walk into a kitchen and be like all right i have this i have this and i have this and these things will make everyone happy you know and and I and I'm intrigued to sell the idea that we can really make good food that doesn't involve meat or dairy, you know. And I tell people now I've been vegan for three years now, and to this day, like, I, and I meet new people, I tell them that they're vegan, and they're like, you know, I could never, you know. And I, I don't understand like how you can say, of of course you'll never do it if you say I can't, you know. Right. Like, you've already told yourself you're not going to do it when you said I could never. I like never. that you bring that up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, for me, it was always a challenge of I can do this. And you just, like, stay disciplined in it. And you can realize that you can make food taste extraordinarily good if you just, like, change that I can't to I can. And try. You, I, I feel as though I'm in some of my failures, you know? Like, all the great food and things that I've made is because I've, like, experimented and failed. And I've been able to put stuff together now that is just like, 
I, I think it's pretty good. You had dinner tonight. What would you say? Yeah, it was delicious. I told them, yeah, they made tempeh and tofu stir fry, and I love my meat, and it was good. It yeah. was really good. He always makes burgers, too. Yeah, I, I just want to, like, make good food With for the, the impossible people. meat. I. I envision uh, down the road, like once I have like an established business that I am able to take my food truck to the best music festivals in the in the world, you know. Planet and Unicorn. Yo, for real. Like <laughs> <laughs> Planet Unicorn. Uh, <laughs> You're going to be laughing. It's going to be the best. Yo, for real. I'm like, just kidding. I, you got to come up with a menu concept and then, you know. That's I, what your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the menu concept, and then you know you just got like cheese sticks, like slamming vegan food for the people, and like right in front of you is like the most beautiful music that you could ever be a part of, you know, like that's that's goals, like that's that's that that's beautiful. And I'm, we're I'm, gonna speak it into existence. I mean, like that's been we my, already are. That's that's been my focus for so many years though, and I feel like as as long as you have like a drive towards something, you can do whatever you want. Like totally, I I've I've had all these sort of visions of what I'm gonna do to this point, and it just never really changes but i feel like when you hit that exodus of whatever for me it's like sharing my art like i want to like get up every day and give the world my art and hopefully pass that on from generation to generation that's beautiful yeah do you think you got your discipline from the navy or do you think you already had it no nah, the navy changed my life man okay it really did because you say that and i was like he makes it sound so easy to just <laughs> just stick with it i i <laughs> i get lost at that part <laughs> no nah, like you you stay so regimented on a regular basis of doing the same thing every day you think you it realize, just like changes your brain chemistry yeah well i wouldn't say your chemistry but it just keeps you disciplined to do the same just thing. your habits yeah if you realize that you do the same thing every day for a certain amount of days, it becomes a habit. It's true. It takes 21 days to gain any habit that you want. So if you did it the same thing every day, eventually it would get into a place where it was like, eh, I can do this every day. I think I get stuck at the like, okay, I'm on day nine and I'm still doing it, you know, like that follow through. Yeah. I think that if you had like a really like fun calendar to like mark off to just get to a point every day that you could get to your twenty first day, yeah, and see that you've been doing Can it for so it. long, yeah. Or Davis like, got some gold stars. Yo, <laughs> or get like one of those construction paper chain things that we used to yes, make when we were kids that you can like <laughs> cut the whole and break cut the, the chain. Loops. Yes, break the chain and figure out something. Make it fun. Yeah, totally on the make it fun part. Yeah, yeah. I think I just need to figure out how to make that fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's been like the biggest sort of shift of like doing stuff consistently was the Navy. I always just fuck around and just do whatever kind of right. that discipline to stay uh, true to something really shifted for me. And now it's just like, I think that's really where it, it really big, really, really shifted for me. It, Cause now I thought I can do anything before I was kind of like, eh, I'm not really sure. I feel sure. like it's like you master that element of the mind yeah. and like, in the beginning you're like holy shit my mind's capable of weird crazy things and like when you can like i think they use the metaphor of like getting the reins around the horse like you've controlled that part of you <laughs> mahalo's here meow 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 it's playtime for mahalo <laughs> cats i wish you could see we'll post a picture you know <laughs> podcast podcasts <laughs> <laughs> that was not intentional that just came out that's the universe speaking through me yo be a vessel man um okay yeah that's wild yeah i feel like if you can 
truly harness the power of the mind, you can literally do anything. Because that that's what I found to be my biggest, like, stopper or, like, inhabitor or I don't know the word, but you know what I mean. Inhibitor? Obs- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here inhabitor. for it. <laughs> we have been inhabited by. What? Okay, let's talk about abundance. What? What's the first thing you remember, like, actually manifesting in your life? Um, or do you? I, I remember, like, moving to Florida. I had just lost my scholarship. And uh, I, I didn't want to come back to Kentucky as a failure. You know, like, I just. Was that for yourself? Yeah, really for myself. I didn't want to come back home, to back to Frankfurt, and just be some failure, you know, be back there. So I knew I had to make it. I just had to make it, you know. So, like, they gave us quotas of goals of things that we had to sell. And to be able to speak out what I wanted for the day and, like, work and stay in that sort of, like, pattern of rhythm of, like, learning how to consistently pitch the same thing. Like, let's say the same thing to 10 people, two or three of them will buy, you know? And so that consistency of, like, being, look, if I just direct my intentions to do this today, this is what I'm going to go and have, you know? Did you know that was, like, the principles of manifestation or did not you just, really it was just it was, it was just a, a feeling like it was yeah. an understanding like I don't know where like what sort of possessed me in that space but I just knew that if I just if I if I kept myself directed on like doing a minimum two somebody told me that uh is, this is a baseball kind of play but uh uh sport <laughs> they say you go to the all-star game batting 250 right so you that means you hit the ball two and a half times out of ten. You know? You go to all-star game batting two fifty. So if I can convince three people today and I'm swinging for the fence for it, I'm going to the all-star game. So that's really like a really good piece to know that, you know, ev- not everyone is going to buy, but I have to ask everyone because I'm trying to go to the all-star game. Yeah. So then you just have no doubt in your mind. Yeah. I got to get it done. And when you put that out there, that energy that's out there, like, I got to do it, you will. Yeah, I've definitely found that to be true. Have you, I'm trying to get in the realm of, like, manifesting money. Have you, do you have experience with that specifically or? Yeah, I think working for myself and, like, selling things has been the most beautiful thing of understanding how to gain and attract abundance is that you know i am a brand like you're not buying that particular product you're buying me you know what i'm saying so if you're like getting that experience i'm making sure that i'm giving you the best human experience possible so that you only choose me and you'll tell your friends about me and that's how i build my business that's so good yeah i always think like in my head uh that that is I lost my train of thought too. I always feel, <laughs> I always assume like I know I'm going to do this for someone, but I guess it's just a matter of communicating to someone that you're going to get the best by going through me. Yeah. You sell yourself. Yeah. People buy you. And that's what I realized at a young, at a young age in the freshman age, I was 21, like just killing it. Like this kid from like no money, like poverty was like going from like, 16,000 to like 65,000 in one year mm-hmm. and I was just like damn like I, re- I really did that and it's just that understanding of knowing that you're s- I sold me I knew that money was never going to be a problem for me again you know because like I can sell me mm-hmm. 
more than you can tell you. Yeah. And I, I am a competitive by nature type of person. Like so you said that. you knew. Wait, okay. I don't remember what you just said. The words. Um, you said the you weren't worried about the money. Mm-hmm. So you were so convinced that you could sell yourself that you weren't worried. No. That's cool. Because that's what I'll they say. That's what they say. Like, you just, you just know in your heart that there's no other way. I, I mean, like. If it ever hit the fan, like, I would sell something. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Uh, and I, I think just having that sort of life skill has been something that, like, keeps you, like, moving to know that no matter what, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Do you find, have you noticed a correlation between kind of you getting on your path, following the more, like, going to school, doing the food stuff versus selling the phones? Do you find that the closer and more aligned you've gotten with your path, your financial abundance has followed? Or do you think, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Um, that's interesting. Like, I, I feel like where I am now, like, I'm, I'm 35 now. Like, I am, I get more satisfaction from, like, doing good service. Um, but, I think about like how I can provide for my family. So mm-hmm. sometimes providing that service isn't a way that I can like take care of my family. So there's that divide, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I could just give it all and like make pennies or I can like do what I, I need to do and like provide for my family. Mm-hmm. Like I want kids, you know, I want them to like have like a way better life that I was able to be a part of, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know I can't do that making pennies so it it's 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 a really weird divide but i where i found solace in this is that any sort of job that i'm working to help people and selling things like i'm helping people like i don't feel like i'm doing a disservice for anybody right uh, and what i'm doing now because i am uh, allowing myself an ability to help people i agree yeah so i I think as long as that's my focus of helping people Mm -hmm. the abundance will be there i think so too do you think there was ever any point where you had to kind of undo some things that you learned about money? Like I've been kind of reflecting on my childhood and the way we perceive money and like we were never wealthy and like my parents were always as focused on we're broke and we can't afford that and blah, blah, blah. Do you, did you develop similar things in your childhood? Like what was, where was your head out, head at around like, does it make sense what I'm asking? Yeah. Um, I think, like, growing up poor, you just never wanted to be poor. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, money was a big motivator for you. And then you think about, like, pop culture. Like, I was, I grew up in the time, like, little Lil Wayne, like, always talking about money and flashing it and whatever. Like, you, that materialism is, like, what would drive people. And for what sure. still drives people to this day. Um, so, I think that focus of, like, wanting to have money and then like changing it to where like I get money by helping people instead of hurting people that that was the 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 difference that I gained so you were able to see examples of people using money for good Mm -hmm. that's good yeah and I think that like when I think about free time and like weekends like we we just uh my fiance and I we we just moved to uh fiance we gonna get married um (laughs) (laughs) 
nah, uh, when I think about like just moving to this new city, like I've only been in Memphis for like what a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half now. Uh, there's gonna be an opportunity for me to like do some really good positive stuff for the city. Like it excites me to like maybe take on like a big brother big sister or like volunteer um some time to like show kids how to meditate you know mm-hmm. like i i think that that would be very transformative and i would do it for free right you know because i feel like if you give that sort of energy out the the karmatic change will help me whenever i'm deciding to do for my business because I, I am a business yeah I, I i think that if i'm not you know selling myself in something like i am selling something you know i think it'd be such a beautiful return yeah. just being from memphis and stuff like that i i don't know like why we go to places that we go um but i feel like the universe directs it like i have no reason i have no real reason to be here in memphis outside of like my sister lives here but i was living in florida and virginia and so many other places throughout my years like what's driven me here i don't know but i feel like the universe has brought me here to make some change fuck yeah so i i'm just glad to be a part of this the city and just kind of see the progression. Like I'm an eternal optimist. I think that we, we're going to make it. I think so too. Yeah. How did you and David, cause you and Davis were both from Pensacola, but met here. Yeah. We had a mutual friend, Kayla, Kayla Busey. If you're listening, Kayla, you're the best. Um, <laughs> she was a really, really uh, fun and funny person. Um, her and her friend, Alyssa are two of the coolest people that I think I met in Pensacola. And it's because of Kayla's and I's relationship that I was able to bump into Davis at uh, the Marcus King Band Show. And we've been buds ever since. Yay. Yeah. That's I'm, how I met I'm excited Davis. to, like, actually go to more shows, man. I'm, I'm really, really sad that there's no shows right now. Dude, I know. Tell me about it. I, all right. So I want to know, like, why Growlers isn't, like, live streaming. Like They are. Are they? Like, because, like, it... it <laughs> Dennis is like, meh, meh. no, yeah, they've been live streaming like for the last couple weeks. For real? Yeah. Um. Do you follow their page? Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, are they on Twitch? Like, do they like let? It's Patri- definitely not EDM. But it doesn't matter. I right. just want to. I just want to see like live. Yeah, music. yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. live music. I live yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. La, 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 la. I know it's definitely on their Facebook. I think they just got a Twitch too. So I'll have to forward it to you. But yeah, do they do like a Patreon for all the artists so that they can like? I think paid. the artists do their cash app things. That's cool. They'll put on their Venmo. I know I was wondering if I should reach out and try to do one on there. I just don't. I don't know. I would want someone to do my visuals. I feel like I feel like that's the person that I don't have in my life. Yeah. Someone to do <laughs> visuals. Yo, but I could I could totally like learn how to do some like trippy visuals yeah. though. Because I got that projector downstairs. Oh shit. And and we could take it. We could take it and like put it on like something else. Yeah. Yo, that's portable AF. Portable F yeah. hashtag. <laughs> that would be sick though. Like have like a set of like some like super sick shit. Like throw it on like a like a bed sheet or mm-hmm. whatever and have your background. That'd be that'd be fire. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Projector light. No, no, that projector like Oh yeah, gotcha. Be behind gotcha. <laughs> Davis is like no lights. Yeah, it would be sick. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I we would still to- I would totally bring it along. And like do that if you like wanted to. Oh, you mean at the venue? Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah. I'm just I'm just here to contribute, man. Like I I feel like I I really want to 
do some cool things in Memphis. I've I've met some really cool people here, and the city has been really ro- like welcoming to me. Like I uh, I managed a uh, T-Mobile location in Midtown for about a year, um, and it was really cool to meet the people of Memphis. Like the way that y'all speak is hilarious, man. It is hilarious. What the fuck is that supposed to Yo, mean? Yo, it's <laughs> the phrases that y'all use. Junked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real ass shit, though. Like, I'm not from here. So, like, That's true, to I like, guess. hear y'all, like, use the word junk in so many different oh contexts is, is hilarious. And, like, when I hear the phrase, you doing too much, that is a Memphis thing. Oh, my thing. God. Really? Straight up. I have not heard that anywhere else. I love when people are pissed and they're, like, annoyed. And they're like, you are doing too much. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, Memphis. sorry. Yeah. But, you know, the most hilarious thing was, like, trying to be politically correct. Uh, because, like, as a manager of other people, you, you got to, like, try to, like, stifle fires or whatever. Mm-hmm. We had this. Uh, we had this one employee. Um she was great, but she was just kind of like, like a product of her environment. So she was just kind of ghetto fab, and she she would always be like, they doing too much. I'm like, you can't you can't really say that to these people <laughs> to the customers, right? Oh no, yeah, so, she said that to the customers, yeah. And it was a Memphis <laughs> thing. Like the customers would say it back and forth. Like, yeah, it was just doing too much. Like there was it's like a, a, a thing right. that was there. Um, it was really cool to be a part of like what people were talking about in Memphis because you meet so many like random people. And oh yeah, I guess like not knowing anything. Right. And in order to sell something, you've got to build and break down those type of things. So Mm -hmm. like it was always some sort of conversation starter, like, Oh, how's your day going? What's going on with you? You know? And like, and and man, like, like, Oh yeah. (laughs) M A N E. The way that they talk, the way that they speak is really cool. man. So nobody else has Maine anywhere. Nah, that's Memphis. Oh my God! For real, when you think about like <laughs> hustle and flow, remember that movie Hustle and yes. Flow? Yes. Uh, like how he had that fake Memphis accent. Yes. Like uh, I think he he said Maine, right? Yeah, he did. He a did. Lot. Uh, but like what's you, his name? Terrence. Uh, something? Terrence Howard. Howard. Yeah. Um, dude, but, I remember. Yeah, when Will that trick when they <laughs> were making that, they were making it for the first time, and they looked at each other and they're like, "This shit's fire!" And I just was little, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" So. <laughs> What was it like to see your city be on the map on, like, Hustle and Flow? Like, I'm actually kind of curious to hear that story. I mean, I think I was young at that time. I mean, I remember everybody was thinking it was cool, and my dad was, like, talking about Craig Brewer. And, I mean, I thought that was cool. I think I was just too young to know what, like, being on the map meant or what that meant for Memphis or, yeah. I think I was too young to know. I'm really intrigued to learn more about, like, the the – the Memphis sound, you know, like y'all have some really good artists here. And yeah. I feel like when I was working all the time, you know, managing that store that I really missed a lot of like live music. Like I, I love live music that I live for it. It's not just EDM. It's every genre. Right. Like I, I love bluegrass. I love funk, pop, soul, R&B, like EDM. Like I'm just, I, I'm here for the vibe. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that like, that's going to be the most beautiful part of living here in this city is that, I know that it's here, but where is it though? Like, where is yeah. that? Well, when the radio station starts, the one in the fall, they've got like all different sorts of music. So they'll have all sorts. And I think you can get a good idea of Memphis stuff and local stuff. And I'm here for it, man. Because I mean, if you've only, you said you've been here a year and a half. Uh, about a year and a half. I mean, I feel like that's still pretty short to yeah. like open your eyes to everything because i think that's when i 
started going to the EDM shows. Probably. So, like, as far as your music taste, like, how broad would you say that it goes? I mean, of course, I'm from here, but I don't like country. Um, I grew up listening to, like, K97 and 107.1, so I think, like, I just always had that in the back, and then I think I listened to, like, Top 40 stuff a lot um, growing up, and then yeah, so I feel like I it's pretty wide ranging. Like I, I don't I joke around with Davis, but I'm like I haven't been exposed to many jam bands, so I'm not like into it. But I'm also not opposed. But like I can appreciate genres. I just have my favorites. Man, uh, I'd say some of my favorite music to see live is like bluegrass music. Really? I think there's so much energy involved in like like uh, banjo. Yeah, like it's like it's an it's an ensemble. You know, you got the mandolin, you got the stand up bass, you have the violin, you have um, like the little like you know that little box drum with the little fucking uh, like the washboard. Thing yeah, the washboard something? box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's out there jamming, especially if it's like real fast energy. Did like, they do this in Kentucky? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember like I had never Where seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, so I grew up like you know with the whole black experience until I moved to Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just nothing but, like, R&B music and, like, whatever okay. black people were listening to. Yeah. And so we moved to Kentucky, and, like, in my graduating class, there were seven black kids. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I got to get that full immersion of, like, a different type of culture of music. And I remember that they had a free um, governor's breakfast, like, right before the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the governor comes and, like, has his big... A free parade on the Kentucky Capitol like they have free food and like hot air balloon rides and like um like they, they have balloon animals and clowns and shit like, like just a bunch of free stuff and they had a whole bunch of like live bluegrass concerts that uh, people would come and just like listen to and I'd never seen that type of energy of people just like dancing and like it it, it felt like those like uh you seen brother we're off thou right no. You never seen Brother Roth out? You we gotta change that. Okay. But uh it's <laughs> it's got it, it just has like that like high energy type of sound where you can hear that soul of music because they can sing, but the harmonies of everybody like collaborating together with those with that ensemble of music, it it moves you. Spiritual. And I just uh I fell in love with that piece of live music. And so, like, if I can find a festival that has really good bluegrass music, it's different. It's way different than listening to it on, like, just a, like, CD and, like, not really seeing it performed live. Because mm -hmm. it's a different experience with it live. And it's I think that that, yeah, I, I think that that really has driven me toward, like, appreciating more live music to see, like, every genre of music perform it live. Um, but I, I, I still would say that, like, there's there's something about a, a bluegrass band that just gets you going like it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing yeah i don't think i've ever been exposed to that much so you'll have to have to show me yeah i mean <laughs> that's what i look forward to in going to music festivals you know on our, our quarterly intervals like you think about like bonnaroo or uh, electric forest or you know any of the big ones like us uh, what was that one summer camp yeah, like when you have like so many different like spectrums of different types of music mm -hmm. and shit, like that's that man. Like, like you, well you guys see it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bonnaroo changed it all for me. I was like twenty years old, and uh, it's such a spectrum of music, man. Yeah. Like, it's everything, and there's, there's you could walk up on like 
some like afro punk and then like some like punk music and then like some some jazz and then like some country some bluegrass some rap some like like some reggae like whatever the fuck is and it's on all night you know yeah they that, do a good job at curating all that yeah it's, it's definitely a vibe rest in peace music festivals yo like but we'll be back in 2021 and actually adrian and i were just talking about this i was really bummed out to miss the 10th anniversary of electric forest this year uh-huh. but she 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 brought up this point and she was like just because like it was the 10th year doesn't mean that it's not the 10th anniversary next year so True. They, they still can put on like they have to yeah like so like they just pause in the 10th anniversary so when we get back motherfuckers are gonna go crazy i know like i can't wait for like 2021's festivals that's what's getting me going that's you know? true yeah it's gonna be so much wonderful to see that sort of cohesion of good energy of people that's the best part of festivals man to see like so many people collaborating together and that don't even know each other but there's no crime there's no hate there's no violence it's just like people just together drugs. for the- <laughs> And the love of music, man, like dead ass. But the love of music, man, the people no, totally. that are there for that. Like I, I am excited for next festival season, man. It's such a special thing. I'm so. It took me forever to realize like how sad I was that we didn't have it. Cause for a while I was like, oh, it's fine, I got this. And then you're like, oh yeah, it's the end of summer and we didn't go to any festivals. Right. <laughs> what? Right. Where, where's the? Yeah, I think just yeah. It was just weird. It was like I had just started playing shows and then Corona happened and I was like, oh, okay. I'm just gr- glad like my livelihood wasn't based on like live music. Like it wasn't that good yet. I mean, like it's it's crazy that like this has put so many people down. Like the fact that you can't congregate. Like yeah. how many people have been affected by festival season being canceled? You know what I'm saying? I know. And then, like, that's a thing that I try to, like, remind my friends, too, is, like, yes, it's one thing to, like, get really excited for Bonnaroo, but, like, what's really important is to take that festival experience and live that experience, like, in your real life. Like, if you just, like, wait, 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 oh, Bonnaroo's here, oh, no, Bonnaroo's over, no, 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 I gotta wait till next year, and it's, like, you didn't even get a chance to, like, actually live to experience what the festival gives to you, and, like, just going out and like recreating that experience and everything you do and you have a festival every day. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. No, I'm like, that was, that I'm was always beautiful. like, be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate that Adrian has come into my life to really help me appreciate music Nini. more because you know, like I was one of the people that sometimes didn't clap for live music, but she makes it such an effort to make me clap for live music then now like i feel like weird not clapping for live music how often do you find yourself and, and this is a good good question like do you always clap for live music i think so i think like if i like i mean it's obvious that you like whether you're aware or not you can hear music stop so it's like you're you're you have to at least on some level acknowledge that somebody's playing and then i think me too especially just like going down like the creative endeavor understand like the work and the courage that it takes to like go up there and do it so i try to and like if i notice that other people are clapping then i'll just start with them or something but 
yeah, I definitely don't pretend like it's not there. I find it interesting, like, sometimes to, like, go into, like, a bar where there, like, used to be live music or whatever, and, like, a band will be playing, and they're, like, a good band, and, like, the, the song will end, and, like, no one will say anything. Like, no claps will happen. Like, how often do you see that, though? A lot. It's do you? It, all the time. Like, it, it, it's it's surreal, like, now, like, and it makes me appreciate music that much more. Like, I, like, I love the clap for live music now. And it, I'm so much more aware of that. Like, someone put that on for you, and, like, why the fuck didn't you clap? Like Especially now, post-COVID. Right. You're like, what? <laughs> like, Ric Flair. <laughs> and you're just, like, calling for an encore at every song. Another one. <laughs> it's so weird to think about what live music post-corona is going to look like. It's going to be a wild, wild-ass time. I, and I think that... When we when we think about like how things are gonna shift, like music's gonna be like like revolutionary. I think that there's gonna be so much message. When you think about like what type of music will come from like COVID, I'm excited to see. It's it. like another renaissance. It is because you've had so much time at this point to like be in the lab and create things. And I I've been really a big fan of the new Glass Animals album because um, that was all created during COVID. And I think that there's going to be so many more albums that come out during this this time frame um, that are just going to be some of the most beautiful shit ever, or like maybe some of the worst. But I guess we will be the judge, right? But from what I've heard so far, like the good projects of things that have come from COVID, we're 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 waiting on a real good music renaissance, man. I think so. I mean, all the artists I follow, they're like EP, 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 EP. So I definitely feel like a lot of people have been taking the time to be creative. What other choice do we fit. have? <laughs> so many people getting furloughed. So many people getting laid off. Like, it's wild, dude. I mean, honestly, like, COVID, me getting my job cut off, like, allowed me to further pursue my creative endeavors, which has been, like, nothing but blessing. So I'm just like, holy shit. If Corona ever never happened, I would still be bartending. Yeah. So... What has that been like, though, to, like, have that much more space to, like, be creative? Like Liberating, really, but also, like, I have to find discipline and create my own schedule and, like, find out what works for me and make sure I have money. But, I mean, I don't really want to work for anyone else anymore, so. So you found that freedom for yourself of, like, yo, I do this. Like, I, I'm an artist. Like, I really do this. Yeah, I never used to say I was an artist, but I'm a fucking artist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's cool. Kind of like how you say food is your art. Like, I feel like this podcast and, like, I've written and blogged and just contemplated healing for a long time. So I just am like, maybe this is my art somehow. Yeah. And I think that, like, once we find that place to refine it and you can share that to the world and, and, and uh, you can get love, that's really what it's all about. It's all about, like, getting love, like, just going out and trying getting to get Getting and love. giving. That's it, man. Like, if everybody, like, decided that it was all about love, the world would be a completely different place. I as, think so, As too. cliche as it, as, as it is said, like, love's the answer. Love man. doesn't sell, except on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I think I sell love, you know? I think that I... I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, my, my heart is good. And I think that anybody that does it from a place that their heart is good, that's love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I was just meaning, like, you know, fear's a lot easier to, like, use than love. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Because if we use love, then they lose. <laughs> then we've won the game. We got to keep it separated, man. It's way easier. Do you know that song by The Offspring? Uh-uh. <gasps> you never heard that? What's got to keep them separated. <laughs> I'm listening to that tonight before I go to bed. <laughs> Adrian's looking at him like you don't know that song. Nah, I don't know that one. <laughs> it's okay. We we used my dad used to like listen to it, and like it would always come on the radio, and I always thought it was about football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know why. <laughs> nah, <laughs> he was too busy dancing to bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely did. They're have like, it. here, Dennis, put on this eyeliner. <laughs> Nah, I was jamming out with my fucking uh, coveralls, bebopping and listening to bluegrass. Bebopping. <laughs> Fuck. Um, okay, do you have anything you want else you want to share to the lovely people of the universe? Uh, any guidance, any blessings, any suggestions? If I could say anything, I I would say that digging into yourself and allowing yourself to be silent is the most most beautiful and therapeutic place that you'll ever find, you know? Like getting your breath work under control and finding the time to spend in meditative space is therapeutic, is uh, is healing, uh, is, is everything. And uh, I think that I've been able to, like, really find my balance and sense of purpose and allowing myself to be still because when you think about like who directs you and like this idea of what you have to do I like to call it the higher self that's only really come to me when I've allowed myself to be still Mm -hmm. yeah so I think that if you could really like find a daily regimen of practice to allow yourself to be still to uh, let the higher self like flow through you you'll find your, your your beautiful sense of purpose and that's what it's all about. Fuck yeah. I forgot to ask you too, like, how do you, what's your like step by step, like, I'm going to manifest this in my life? Uh, so I, for me, it's, it's always been like a, a series of like mantras that come into like my head in threes. Like I'll just like, like find myself saying things over and over and over. And it's usually in a pattern of, of like a three. So like it'll come like, maybe three times, six times, nine times, where, like, it'll be a re- repeating and piece. And what is this? A f- like, a mantra that you, it's, it's your higher self tells you? I think so. What, can you give an example of what? So, like, when I get into, like, a, um, I think about, like, like uh, affirmations of things that I, like, want to try to direct myself toward. Uh-huh. Um, those things just come, like, uh, so, like, I don't really think about, like, what type of positive thing that will come to me in that silence. It'll, it'll just come, and then it'll just echo in my head back and forth, okay. back and forth, back and forth. And it keeps me going, you know? Especially when you get down to that place of breathing and finding your, like, like good breathing technique. So, I like the four, seven, eight technique. What is that? Uh, so, it's where you inhale for four seconds, um, hold that breath for seven seconds, and exhale that breath for eight seconds. And you start in that series of counting four, seven, eight. You know what I'm saying? And you stay into it for a few minutes to where it's just a natural set of breathing to where, like, all of the external things kind of shut themselves off. And 
I it I, I don't I don't know when it comes in to like getting rid of all the external and you're just like in your mind, mm-hmm. but it, it always seemingly happens that mm-hmm. in that space of spending those minutes of counting and then something will come as like a positive affirmation for me to like stay focused on. And like, it's such a calming effect that it just works through me and it's just, you know, something that's positive and good. I like the four, seven, eight. Um, I also like the, um, the Wim Hof, uh, guided meditation, it's like an 11 minute video on YouTube. Um, You'll have to send me the link so I can put it in the description. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is really, really cool. Like, so like Wim Hof is uh, this like breathwork guru who's done like all of these like super amazing things, and he believes that like the power of breathwork is transformative in allowing you to do whatever you want. Like this guy has like swam under like. Of entire football field uh, underwater with one breath. Whoa. Yeah, he's, like, climbed Mount Everest in his, like, underwear. Yeah, like, he's ran a, like, half marathon uh, barefoot in the Arctic. Jeez. Yeah, and it's all been, like, this, like, amazing understanding of how to, like, control the mind and, like, get yourself in that breath work. So he believes that, and he he says he uh, gets high off his own supply. Like, that's his whole thing. And his breathwork routines really, really create this sense of calmness that is, like, surreal, you know. And his guided uh, meditation routine is one that if I feel extremely stressed, like, if I'm feeling, like, really anxious or, like, in a type of, like, mood, I can, like, remove myself and, Mm -hmm. like, go to that practice of that video. And such a beautiful place to reset. And I feel like once my mind is calmed down, the higher self redirects me what I want. Mm-hmm. And it's usually in some sort of like, like transit type of affirmation to help me back in where I want to go. So I, I think that so many people miss that piece of their lives and want to depend so much more on like external things to solve their the breath work. Yeah. But, but if you really focus within and you can find that place of, uh, solace inside with your breath work and 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 just set in that 10 minutes like just give yourself that time to like have the no mind mm-hmm. it's transformative i agree uh thank you for sharing all those beautiful gems <laughs> that was so good it was so cool learning about just a vessel man where i know but still you're a cool ass vessel i appreciate and i'm grateful cool that vessel. y'all are in our lives oh man and your sweet Kiki. Mahalo. Well, unless you have anything else, any wisdom to drop. Go Cass. Is that a Kentucky reference? Of course. BBN, we out here. <laughs> what were we saying last time? Stay dry. <laughs> Die dry. Die dry. Die dry. Wait, what did you also say? Something as fuck? forgot the hashtag started with the p oh no we'll have to rewind it huh some some (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is i'm sure that it's gonna be a hashtag of something yeah i'll hashtag it when i go back to listen and i'll i'll let you know but thanks again dennis i look forward to seeing you manifest the rest of your life absolutely man namaste 
Thanks for tuning in this week on Embrace the Madness. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Follow me on Instagram at Embrace the Madness Podcast for updates and more.